You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So I'm going to go ahead and take two L's and a W on yesterday. And I know technically, based on the fact that two of the underdogs lost, uh, that should be two L's, but I'm, we're not doing that. The first two games went almost identical to what I said were going to happen. Um, I think the one variable that I left out that would have maybe corrected maybe for all three games is playoff ready, right? Some teams are just not playoff teams. And when you get into the playoffs, you got to just be a rock-solid kind of team, right? The, the, the Patriots are the perfect example of a team that is really good in the playoffs because they play mistake-free football. The difference between the Bills and the Colts wasn't that the Bills were just a better team. I thought that game went exactly as I said it was going to go. I thought the Colts had the game wrapped up. The problem is the Colts kept making stupid mistakes. The amount of terrible throws from Phillip Rivers, the massive amount of drops. I mean, they literally missed 10 points. There was a missed field goal from like four yards away, and then a missed touchdown. The guy was wide open in the end zone. He missed them. It's 10 points just sitting there. Um... So just, yeah, the, the amount of mistakes, I think, really made the difference in the game. Um, I thought the Buffalo Bills did do a pretty good job. They basically just loaded up the box and said, you're not going to run, you're going to have to throw. Again, they were able to throw fairly well, but with the amount of mistakes they made, they kept failing. It's similar to what the Green Bay Packers do. It's, look, we know that if we play this way, you're going to get first downs. But eventually, you know, if you decide to run the ball into a nine-man box, which they did, which was annoying... I, I mean, I get it. At some point, it's like, listen, our game plan is to give this guy 40 carries. We've given him three because they stacked the ball. we got to give him the ball. But the problem is, you run into the stack box, you get two yards, which is impressive considering there's, I mean, on, on occasion. Granted, some of these guys dropped. I, I There's there's nine, ten guys roaming near the line of scrimmage. Then you factor in an incomplete and a, or, you know, you throw it short and then incomplete and then you got a punt. So, um... I, you know, I, I, I didn't really watch a lot and feel like these are kind of what I've been saying all year. I mean, you, you don't watch any of these games and go, man, I don't know how anyone's going to beat that team. The Bills, I don't want to say got exposed, but, you know, again, when you get into playoff football, it's a different animal. In the regular season, there was a whole lot of just beating up on garbage teams, especially at the end of the year, teams that kind of just threw in the towel. And uh, that one came down to the wire. Now, again, a lot of that was matchup. I think the Bills could go toe-to-toe with some other team and, and blow them out. But, um, I mean, they're not exactly this dynamo that everybody makes them out to be and to be completely honest I mean not to say they can't beat the Packers they're a good football team I'm just not that scared of them the way that they play football they don't run the ball very well they're real big on big plays which is the one thing the Packers don't allow I mean I what I told the Colts to do is essentially play exactly what the Packers do don't allow the big play you know run the ball well control the clock and of course the Packers throw the ball a lot better if they th- there's no way the Bills would ever stack the box against Aaron Rodgers so the goal would be to come out and run, and they wouldn't stack the box, and they would be terrible at it because, they're again, their run defense is one of the worst in the NFL. I, I think the Packers annihilate the Bills, to be completely honest with you. I just don't think it's a good matchup for the Bills. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I you know, I off the top of my head, trying to think what happened. Well, what if they play, you know, the Chiefs or this team or that team? What's going to happen? I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I don't know what the odds of them getting to the Super Bowl are anymore. 
but um, you go over to the, the Rams Seahawks and it was basically what I had said as far as it's going to be a really low scoring game. This is going to be a, a defensive domination. You got the Rams whose offense is sputtering, has been for a long time going up against the Seahawks team whose defense is really starting to ascend. You got a Seahawks team whose offense is collapsing going up against the number one defense in football. Now this one scares me. I'll be I'm more scared of the Rams than I am of the Bills, which I would guess most people would disagree with that. But again, it's not about just, you know, if you were to give a rating, right, which team is just better, which is usually what we do. We say, which one's better? We do the power rankings and we rank them, which kind of makes sense to a degree, but they're just, they're different teams. Would I rank the Bills higher than the Rams? Yeah, I would. Because the Rams look like a cluster and the, the Bills look like a red-hot team that's just annihilating everybody in their path. If I was just told to make a list of teams, I'd put the Bills way above the Rams. I'm still scared of the Rams more than the Bills because of the matchup. The Packers struggle when you get this very disruptive kind of defense and you watch the way they swarm the line of scrimmage, the amount of pressure Russell Wilson was under all day long, the fact that our interior offensive line, guys like Lucas Patrick and whatnot, I mean, granted, Corey's pretty good, but it doesn't matter. Nobody's stopping. Aaron Donald. Nobody. I don't like that. I I just, I don't like, I mean, granted, I think our defense is going to more or less destroy them, but it does make, it it just, it makes me nervous. At some point, we got to find a, I thought the corners looked really good. I mean, the way that they played the ball, man, it was just incredible. Granted, that ball kind of hung out there a little bit and gave the, the DBs some opportunities to come up and just swat it away, but it just, it just looked so clean, you know, the way that they played. I mean, everybody just played it just looked like a really fired up, intelligent, fast, swarming, tackling defense. And um, not the kind of defense that you're going to be able to build a lot of momentum on. And our, our team is a very big momentum team. So, you know, I, I love the fact that they have to come to Lambeau. I hope it's freezing cold. Thinking about Jared Goff and that offense that's struggling to get going, trying to get going in cold weather Lambeau field when they have to fly, you know, halfway across the country. I think it's going to be a nightmare for them. But I also don't like... Aaron Rodgers in our offense trying to get going against this defense. It doesn't excite me. Does that mean I want the Bears to win? I don't know. Maybe, because I am still scared of the Saints. So it'd be kind of a twofer. We get to play the Bill, the Bears again. But I just, I don't. I guess I don't know what I want. Either way, the Rams' offense is really bad. My biggest fear is, I mean, it, 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 listen. I don't know how much more exciting it can be, number one offense against the number one defense in Lambeau Field. I mean, if you add a little bit of snow, it's going to be really exciting. And again, I do think that their defense has some flaws. I mean, I can go player by player and, and explain to you, look, the, these guys, this guy right here, not very good. But I think when you have a, a defensive line, especially that swarms like that, it takes so much pressure off of the linebackers, off of the corners, off of the safety. I mean, Russell Wilson, he didn't even get a chance to be concerned about who's open until, you know, he had to scramble around for a half a second for three seconds for however long so he can get free and then he can kind of get his eyes up and like hey anybody still playing down there what are we doing over here so i mean the, the rams are a tale of two teams the offense is kind of a joke the defense is uh scary looking and i you know i, I again they aren't perfect you know they're li- i don't think their linebackers are very good at all their highest graded linebacker is the 19th best line uh, player on their defense out of 27 troy reader the only other two linebackers on their team are the 26th and 27th best linebackers on their Their linebackers are trash. But, you know, I mean, you got a, you got a good cornerback group. You got a really scary defensive line. The rest just kind of takes care of itself, you know? Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill, Darius Williams are playing good football. Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in all of football. 98 pressures on 569 attempts. 
Aaron Donald, they, they said on the broadcast Aaron Donald might be the best defensive player of all time. That might be true, and yet this is still the best, this might be his best year ever. Think about that. He's already been one of the best players in football. This right now might be his best year of all time. 17.2%, 15 sacks on the season. That's just the regular season. That doesn't include anything he's doing currently in the postseason. I should see if they got any grades out early. Just out of curiosity, because they do do it really quick once the... Nope, they don't. I'm just wondering. Um, but anyways, that that was my thought. I mean, I, I thought the Rams and Seahawks would be close. They, I mean, the Rams did get 30 points, but let's be completely honest. That was a defensive battle up until the very end, and then the Seahawks just kind of fell apart. Um, the one L that I'll take, and I, I, from what I understand, because I didn't watch any of the game, the Bucks and Washington, it actually at one point was really close, but at the end of the day, what I said was, it would be close because Tampa Bay would have a hard time overcoming the Washington defense. Now, I don't know if it's one or the other or both, whether it was Washington defense didn't really show up or if, you know, Tom Brady really is just that good right now or some kind of combination of both. But at the end of the day, the Buccaneers managed 31 points. You know, maybe it was some garbage time stuff, whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is I said that that wouldn't happen and it did. So I'll just go ahead and take an L on that one. Which is unfortunate, because of all the, the ones that I wanted to get right, that was the one I really wanted to be right about. Even if Tampa Bay won, I wanted them to win, you know, 23 to 24, maybe, you know, 19 to 20. Because then you look at it and say, aha, see, they can't play good defenses. Again, number four defense, playing at home, Buccaneers put up 31 points. I don't want to see that. Because they're not scared of good defenses. And, and as good as the Packers' defense is right now, I would say number four is reasonable right if they're top five they're probably close to about the fifth best defense so the Buccaneers aren't scared of that now granted obviously the Packers offense is much better than Washington's so I was tenuous at best that Washington would actually pull off a win but again the the bigger concern here is the fact that they put up 31 points now I again I didn't watch it maybe the defense just didn't play very well but I think credit credit where it's due I mean again at the end of the day Washington is clearly not a playoff team Tampa Bay clearly is a playoff team, and I think if I had factored those things into the like which teams are legit and which teams are kind of pretenders, the Colts and Washington are kind of iffy. In fact, the Rams and Seahawks are borderline as it is, but they just happen to play each other. I think if they'd have played just about anybody, I would have taken the other team. And I say all that while I'm saying I'm terrified of the Rams, but again, it's not because the Rams are very good, it's just that specific matchup makes me nervous. Same with Tampa. I mean, there's not much about Tampa. I'm not scared of good quarterback. I'm scared of really good quarterbacks that also happen to have dominant defensive lines that wreck our world, like last time we played them. It wasn't Tom Brady that, that destroyed us necessarily. It was the fact that that defensive line just ruined the Green Bay Packers. Add in no David Bakhtiari, it's not going to get better. So, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the good news here is that the Packers did go against the Bears, who have a good defensive line. They found a way to win. Again, bad offense. So maybe you could say there's kind of a parallel there. The difference being that I think the Rams have a much better defense than the Bears do. But, I mean, the Packers just, they're either going to be better than that or they're not because that's just kind of what the NFC is right now. Maybe not so much the AFC, which is funny because I think once we get to the Super Bowl, depending on who's in there, I kind of feel good about the the AFC teams and the matchups. Chiefs don't have a dominant defensive line. The Bills don't have a dominant defensive line. The Titans definitely don't have a dominant defensive line. The Ravens, meh. The Steelers clearly do, but I, I I see no circumstance in which they get in. And the Browns, yeah, I don't think either of those teams get in. The teams that are legitimate, the the Bills, Ravens, Titans, and and Chiefs, I just I don't know. I'm more scared of every NFC team than them because the NFC teams have 
really scary defenses. They just do. The Rams have the number one defense. The Buccaneers, I don't know where they rank, but we know that that defensive line is scary. The uh, New Orleans Saints, the defense has been the strength, and, and only because Breeze has been out. When Breeze comes back, then it's kind of teeter-totters back and forth between which one's better, but it's still a good defense and getting better. That's scary. De- the, the Bears, the defense, it's all defense. It's just some of them happen to have also offenses like the Saints and the Buccaneers. But to be fair, the Packers as well. The Packers have the best offense in the NFC and also do have a very good defense. It's just, you know, again... That's just the thing that makes me nervous. But anyways, those were generally my thoughts from yesterday. Um, nothing really shocking. So somebody mentioned yesterday something about an upset, the uh, Rams and Seahawks. Not really. I mean, even Vegas put three points on it. It's not that big of a deal at three points, especially when it's a divisional game. I mean, that's 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 a coin flip anywhere you go. So it went more or less according to plan. Um, I did go 2-1 and one on my pick because obviously I picked all the underdogs, and the Colts did cover the spread. The Rams obviously won the game. Um, and again, Washington, it sounds like it was close at one point, but I'm guessing Buccaneers just pulled away with some garbage time nonsense. I don't know. And Washington apparently has a quarterback that everybody's excited about now because of uh, his play. I saw a couple of the highlights, kind of hilarious. Um, might as well, I guess tell everybody about the guy because everyone's super jacked up so let's talk about taylor heineke it's actually kind of a sad story if you think about it because you think oh man this guy maybe he really has a career here and all that which maybe he will maybe he's going to finally get that big paycheck or whatever but um actually the vikings picked him up as an undrafted free agent back in 2015 he's almost 30 years old maybe they told you all this on the broadcast i don't know i'm just i'm just going through it in case they didn't um Basically didn't play a single regular season snap until 2017 with the Houston Texans. So he was with Minnesota for 2015, 2016, 2017. Uh, actually played in the preseason in 2017 for Minnesota. Then has to come out uh, for Houston. At some point they send him off to Houston. Comes out, week 16 against Pittsburgh, throws one pass. <laughs> uh, one pass, one completion for 10 yards. So solid, but nobody takes note, nobody cares. Uh, he got sacked once. He had three dropbacks, got sacked once, probably hand off, handed off once and threw one. But 108.3 passer rating. There you go, Taylor. But Houston wasn't impressed. They decided uh, that we don't care. We don't like this guy. We're going to move on from this guy. So they send him off to Carolina. Goes to Carolina, not very good. For some reason, one pass is his limit. Every team says you throw one pass and then you get off the field. Plays week eight, one attempt, one completion, 13 yards. Goes out week 11, and one drop back. One drop back, one pass, incomplete. Week 13, one drop back, one pass, incomplete. Week 14 against Cleveland, one drop back, one pass, complete for 33 yards. Then week 16, he gets his first, like, full game, and it's really bad. (laughs) He has 56 drop back, 53 passes, had 33 completions for 274 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. So Carolina says, yeah, this guy ain't it. Granted, they kept him around for a little while, but eventually ship him off to Washington. Comes to Washington and um, kind of has been playing fairly well since he got here. He only played one game for Washington in the regular season, but it was week 16. 12 completions, 19 attempts, 137 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. 82 overall grade. Then he goes and does what he does in the playoffs. So he's he's played two games, or at least a game and a half, or two half games. I don't know how much he played in the Washington game. I don't know what happened. I know he went out for a while. I'm just trying to stitch together tweets, man. I don't know what happened. And no, I'm not going to go back and watch it. I got other stuff to do today. Speaking of, since I basically concluded that point, today, 
Baltimore Ravens game. Coach Hahn is going to be live streaming the game, not the actual game. You can't watch it there. Which, why would you want to? It's on your television. But he's going to be live streaming over on Pack Daddy NFL YouTube channel. And what he's going to be doing, obviously there's going to be a slight delay, but he's going to be breaking down play-by-play basically the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm sure he'll do the other side as well, the Tennessee Titans, because, I mean, you know, the Baltimore Ravens aren't on office all the time. But basically he's just going to have his whiteboard up. He's going to draw up a couple plays, you know, whatever else he's got going on technology wise but um yeah it's just gonna be you know you can jump in there ask him questions i'm sure if there's gonna be some dead periods or whatever you can ask him some questions about the packers or whatever but um yeah it's gonna be a full game stream unless you know he decides he's bored and wants to leave at halftime doesn't matter it's up to him he as i told him he's got carte blanche he does whatever he wants with my youtube channel he puts out great content if he wants to stream every day all day long 24 hours a day he has that ability well he doesn't have that but he has the right to do that I, i doubt he has the ability he's not man enough to never sleep (laughs) <laughs> calling out his manhood to see if I can get him to stream 24 hours a day. What do you think? Do you think he's going to do it? you think he's going to take the bait? You're a sissy, coach. What do you think about that? You don't have the guts to stream 24 hours a day. <laughs> this is out of control. Anyways, that that got away from me. No, but it should be really, really awesome. Um, very excited about that. He did a, a mini stream, kind of a test stream, and I thought it went incredibly well. Does a great job of interacting, going through the comments, and really breaking things down in live time. And again, he's he's going to be doing a full thing, and he's super excited about the Baltimore Raven. Um, when we decided to to do this, when we, it was his idea, obviously, but immediately he's like, "Let's do the Ravens." I'm like, "Well, you know, all right. I mean, that's Sunday. We could do Saturday if you want. No, Ra- Ravens, Ravens. I want to do Ravens. I definitely want to do Ravens." <laughs> so he is locked in on the Ravens. He's real impressed with it, which is going to make it a great video. Because he's just in love with what they do up front. He's an offensive line coach. He loves some of the stuff they do. They are a running team. Um, I put up a video, actually. It's kind of a, a preview. You can go to Pack Daddy NFL right now and get a little bit of a taste. There's a couple of videos that, that Coach has done. But the the most recent, maybe-ish, um, it's going to be about the Baltimore Ravens. It'll just give you a little preview of what it's going to be about. But make sure you head over there and check that out. You can just have it kind of going as you're watching the game. And uh, just say hey, drop some comments, show some love, etc., etc. While you're at it, make sure you jump in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Make sure you like the Cheese and Packers Facebook page. That, um, as I mentioned, we're having a competition to see who can grow which channel the fastest. I think Cheese and Packers is going to win this week. But I also should remind you, um, if you haven't seen it yet, we're running a, uh, a giveaway over at the Packernet Podcast Instagram. It's very simple. Just follow Packernet Podcast on Instagram. Tag three people. I think that's it. I think that's all you have to do. Very simple. Tag three Packer fans. It's one of the... It's so weird. It's, it's, it's really hard to grow these things because people are so unbelievably unwilling to do very simple things. It's, just, it's one of the biggest revelations I've had, and I get it because I'm kind of the same way. Getting somebody to click off one platform just to go to another platform is like, eh. I'm on Facebook right now. I don't want to go to Instagram. If I want to go to Instagram, I'd be on Instagram. It's like, dude, just just click it, and you have a chance to win free stuff. <laughs> Giving away, like, a Packers jersey, signed Rashawn Gary picture, all kinds of cool stuff. You literally just have to click this and do a real simple thing. It's going to take you 42 seconds, I promise you. It's like, meh, I don't, I don't need free jerseys. Ice Bowl jersey? Meh, nah, not interested. Too hard. Not my thing. Maybe when I go to Instagram, I'll think about it later. I'm not doing it right now. It's crazy, but that is a thing. Packernet Podcast Instagram, go check it out. Um, again, the the links to everything is on the uh, in the Facebook group, but uh, it's good enough for now. Enough rambling. We take a break. We come back.
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, forging ahead to today's games. I'm going to try to keep in the back of my mind playoff caliber football team. That's, that's the key for today. Let's see if that can keep me from picking all underdogs again. Because I'll tell you what, I'm, I, I was very tempted to pick the Bears for very similar reasons. Um, but injuries are kind of an I mean, we'll get there. We'll get there. But I tell you what, man, what, just looking at this, I was like, I'm going to pick underdogs all the way through this. And I think it's it, it feels similar. Now, maybe it doesn't. That's not entirely true. I think Rams-Seahawks is kind of similar to Cleveland-Pittsburgh. I think that's actually really close. Uh, Baltimore-Tennessee, I kind of feel like is pretty close, kind of similar to that. Chicago-New Orleans, I guess kind of feels like, I don't know if it's quite Washington-Tampa. I don't know if it's that bad. Maybe it's Colts-Bills. You know that the the Bears kind of have it in them, but it's like, yeah, but do they, though? Then again, you look at Washington, and it's like, well, terrible offense, solid but not the most dominant defense, going up against just a really good offense and defense. I mean, it, it kind of feels like Tampa, Washington, I guess. Again, we'll get there. Starting off, Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern time. I don't know what, why the weird noises. I don't even know what that, I don't know what either of those accents were. I'm just just happy today all right can i be happy is that allowed or do i just have to be miserable on my podcast all the time leave me alone noon o'clock our time baltimore tennessee um look i mean we we know the story of tennessee tennessee is a really good football team at just about every position except one extremely vitally critically important position and that's off the edge they can't rush the passer the other important dynamic here 
Baltimore, as I mentioned, really, 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 really likes to run the ball. And I think the biggest mismatch in my mind, one of the the things that I've noticed about Tennessee for quite a long time, and I wonder if they're going to start getting away from it, they love tiny edge rushers, right? I I always kind of liked the the speed rushers, and and I felt like we were moving towards sort of the bigger body um, edge guys, and I didn't really like it. You know, it's like I like the speed bend guy. You know, I mean, T.J. Watt technically is a speed bend guy. That's why I liked him. That's why I wanted us to take him, but we won't go down that road. It is what it is. I'm happy with my life. Always thought he was underrated. I don't know if I was doing the podcast at the time, but I should look into that. He was one of those guys where I was kind of iffy on him until I saw like two or three plays where he had this unbelievable ability to bend. He bends so hard around a corner where it looks like his shoulder's about to touch the ground, and he was able to get to the corner. And I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this guy's special. Like that is that is inhuman. That was that was kind of the thing for me with with T.J. Watt. His ability to bend around a corner is stupid. So, anyways, Tennessee. When you've got these tiny little guys, not only are they not great edge rushers, but you got Baltimore. I mean, again, go watch that video. They will put out like seven <laughs> offensive linemen. I'm not kidding. They will just basically bring out all offensive linemen and then a quarterback and a running back and just say, "Best of luck." And what exactly does a team do that has these puny little guys on their team? I'm not saying they're going to do that all game, but it just it has a feeling of a mismatch from the standpoint of the Baltimore Ravens want bulk. They're going to come out with the biggest, meanest guys on offense, and they're going to look at Tennessee and say, what are you going to do about it? And Tennessee's like, well, when you eventually throw it, we got this one guy on the inside who's going to bring some pressure, and we got some decent corners. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, best of luck to you. Now, if they still had Jadavian Clowney, that would be nice. I mean, as much as he was somewhat of a letdown, and, and I think we should have acknowledged that by now. I mean, it's been how many years of waiting for him to turn a corner, and he just never does. But he's sort of that big-body guy that can help you stop the run. Right now, though, I mean, this defense is entirely inept. They've got Jeffrey Simmons, who's a good football player on the inside, but, I mean, he's a good football player on the inside. That's the whole point. So I, I just... Without even analyzing much further, I'm looking at this and saying, how does the defensive line of the Tennessee Titans stop the offensive line of the Baltimore Ravens? I just feel like they're going to get entirely overwhelmed. Now, Tennessee has an offense too, but I'm, I'm just looking at it and saying, I just I don't know what you do here. This is the number one rushing team in football. I mean, in, 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 in every possible way, with the exception of touchdowns, they're third. Excuse me. This team passes 32nd in the NFL. They don't pass the ball. So get that out of your head. I mean, it's somewhat of a benefit to Tennessee because it's like, well, we don't have a pass rush. Well, you don't need it because they're not going to throw the ball. Number one in attempts, number one in yards, number one in yards per attempt. So it's not just, well, they get a bunch of yards because they run all the time. No, they also run better than everybody. It's ridiculous. And yeah, some of that has to do with a quarterback that gets 20 yards every time he runs the ball. But so what? That's what we're talking about. How do you stop it? What do you do? So, you know... In a sense, it's almost ideal for Tennessee because, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's the 14th best rushing defense, the 31st best passing defense. And again, I think that has to do with the fact that there's no pass rush available. So if they had to choose, they would like a rushing team. And then, of course, they come out with their dominant offense, and and Baltimore has to figure out a way to stop that as well. And I don't know that that's going to be the easiest thing in the world because it's one of the better offenses in football. In fact, maybe the biggest matchup is the Tennessee Titans, who granted, they, I mean, they, they run the second most. So this is going to be a, 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 
this is a coach Han dream. Like, I don't understand why he wants it. This is the number one running team against the number two running team. I mean, he is just going to be an absolute heaven in this game. You might not even want to ask him any questions because he's going to be in his own world. Like, just shut up and don't talk to me. I'm trying to trying to draw plays here. This is just freaking me out. But really, the, one of the biggest mismatches might be the um, Tennessee Titans passing attack, which is quite solid. They rarely do it, right? They pass 30th, so they don't throw very much either. But they're the seventh best passing team in net yards per attempt, and Baltimore is terrible in terms of their ability to cover. Great running defense, though. So it, it kind of just comes down to game plan. If you look at it, I mean, again, Baltimore is really, really good at running. Tennessee's going to have a hard time. Tennessee likes to run. The Ravens are really good at stopping the run. Right there tells me this is advantage Baltimore all day long. But again, if Tennessee throws the ball a little bit, especially with some solid play action, which of course... Baltimore's going to want to bite on it. It's Derek freaking Henry, his best running back in football. And you unload this passing attack against a really, really subpar, I mean, 23rd ranked passing defense. That's where you can kind of start to make some hay. So it, you know, I definitely think it's going to be harder. I, I, I don't like the matchup from Tennessee's perspective. And again, you look at what Baltimore's been doing. I mean, they were on a, a losing streak for a while, but they've gone 5-0. and and again, it's it's similar to Tampa Bay where you look at it and go, okay, but the teams are garbage. They scored 34, 47, 40, 27, and 38. That's absolute annihilation. By the way, the defense, 17, 42, which is not good. 14, 13, and 3. Annihilation. But Cowboys, Browns, Jaguars, Giants, and Bengals, nyeh. are those the worst teams in football? Well, not Cleveland, but again, that was the team that put up 42. Cowboys, Jaguars, Giants, and Bengals, pretty close. You throw in the Jets and you, it's pretty much a clean sweep. But still, I don't want to count them out. I mean, that's that's pure annihilation. And, and in fact, you look at those games in which they lost, the offense wasn't really getting it done, scoring 24, 24, 17, 24, 14. They lost four of those five. So when it, what it comes down to is this offense gets clicking, and um, they're good to go. And, and again, I don't really see Tennessee's defense stopping Baltimore. And, you know, you look at Tennessee on the other side, I mean, dominant offense, but a little bit more inconsistent. I mean, they, they did beat the Baltimore Ravens the last time they played them. 30 to 24 in overtime. They annihilated the Colts. Then they lost to the Browns, 35-41. Beat the Jaguars, who cares? Beat Detroit, who cares? Got annihilated by Green Bay. And then beat the Texans, barely. Right? So it just, you know, again, when we come into this sort of like, who's the playoff-ready team? The Baltimore Ravens are on a warpath. Tennessee is is dominant but inconsistent. And I just feel like they're coming into a buzzsaw with the Baltimore Ravens right now. Clear, I mean, not nothing is, is very clear right now. Nothing is like this is very heavily in Baltimore's favor, and I think with a really good game plan and some really good execution, Tennessee can win. Again, I think the only team with a dominant passing attack and a passing advantage is Tennessee. But I think at the end of the day, this is a, a battle of the trenches, and I think Baltimore annihilates that battle. Baltimore is a great running defense. I think they win on both sides of, that, of the ball. I think their defense is one of the few that can hang with Tennessee's offensive line. And I know their offense can dominate Tennessee's defensive line. And so in a battle of the trenches, Baltimore wins on both sides. I don't know how you pick Tennessee. It can happen. It, elite offense. They've they got the ability to pass. And again, if they can do that, if they can run up the score, and if their defense can can hold off Baltimore well enough, but it just has the makings of a team that of a game that's going to be a, a fun game to watch. I'll tell you, I wish there was snow in this game. That would just be amazing. Although it is 30 right now in Nashville. It's supposed to get up to like 40-ish. Never know. Something crazy could happen. Either way, I mean, it's, it's going to be a cold weather, smash you in the mouth kind of... I mean, it's, this is a throwback game. This is an absolute throwback game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Number one and number two running 
teams in football, number one running back in football, two road-grading offensive lines, just, ugh. But again, I do think Baltimore has the advantage here. Um, and, and really, if you think about it, the Tennessee Titans have the advantage throwing, kind of. But at the same time, with no pass rush at all from Tennessee, with Lamar able to sit in the pocket, I just, I, I don't know. Again, Tennessee can win this game, but they're, they're going to have to execute really, really well. They can't come out like the Colts and be making mistakes. They start having drop passes and missed field goals and nonsense like that, it's game over. they got to come out and play a clean and violent football game because they're going to come out and face Baltimore, and Baltimore is going to just want to smash them in the mouth, and Tennessee has to be ready to play that kind of game. And the last time a team went toe-to-toe with them and said, hey, you want to play smash mouth, let's play smash mouth, it was the Green Bay Packers, and the Green Bay Packers steamrolled them. You don't want to get out physical when you are supposed to be the physical football team. Don't let Baltimore out physical you. But I don't I don't I don't think they I don't know. I'm picking Baltimore. That's kind of my 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 final answer on that. But again, going to be a great game. I'm I'm I wasn't really excited until I started really digging into it and you see all that. I mean, some people are going to look at it and say it's boring. It's kind of like um that Colts Bills game. Everyone's like this is boring. I was like, "No, this is a great game." It's like everybody wants it to be 35 35- 32 or it's just boring it's like no dude this is a i thought that was great like it was it was great execution by the colts like they were they were winning by playing the right way they were forcing the bills to do things they weren't supposed to do. i mean it was just it was beautiful to me and then when the bills started launching it down the field people were like, oh finally it's not boring anymore it's like no now it's boring because the bills are just gonna run away with it that's boring to me i want it to be close i want it to be down to the wire i want it to be just a struggle it should be a struggle it shouldn't be just 45 to 2 that's stupid who wants to watch that that's why I don't watch college football. It's just stupid. It's either super boring, like the Badgers, where it's like nothing is happening. These guys are just kind of bad at football. They throw a pass, and it's like that thing just hangs there, man. That, there's no zip on these passes. Or it's, you know, Alabama against Tennessee Technical Institute, and it's 107-2. to two. It's just, who cares? So I don't think that's going to happen. We'll, we'll see. I mean, clearly both of these teams have the ability to just run up a score. And if the other one comes out a little flat-footed, it could get out of hand quickly. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, man. I think this is going to be, whether it's a low-scoring or high-scoring game, I don't really know. It kind of depends. I mean, you could see how a cold-weather, smash-mouth game could be a low-scoring game. But at the same time, these are two teams that are scoring in the 30s and 40s with ease. So I don't, I don't know, man. I just think the, the Baltimore Ravens have an advantage. And, and, and at the end of the day, and it's, it's kind of similar to some of these other games, um, if you're the better team, over four quarters, you know, similar to what I said about the Colts, about, you know, they have the better advantage in terms of their matchup. But at the end of the day, you need four quarters of execution. And if you're the lesser team expecting you to make four quarters of, of solid execution of a game plan, at some point they're going to slip. And that's kind of how I feel about this game. Even if the Titans come out and they're just playing it and they're working it and they got it down pat, at some point, Baltimore's going to blow this thing open. I don't see Tennessee holding back this absolute tidal wave for four quarters so that's it i gotta look at the uh my pick em thing because it's against the spread because that could make it a little bit interesting but i do think i'm picking baltimore either way let me check right quick that was scottish german i think right quick <laughs> actually it could just be german german i guess the second one sounded more german the first one was scottish don't worry about it all right do whatever i want You're making fun of me all the time i hate you guys all right let's see let's see so I think I'm going to switch this. I had Tennessee pick three and a half points. I'm taking Baltimore. I'm just doing it. My first non, non-underdog non pick is going to be Baltimore. Again, I, I could see it being close, 
but I I just have this feeling that's going to be kind of similar to I guess the Tampa game, which I didn't watch. But you know how you you, you really you're fighting as hard as you can and you're pulling off miracles just to keep it close. But at some point the dam just busts wide open and it you know you look at the score at the end and it's like that wasn't close. That was a flipping annihilation. What are you talking about? It has that kind of a feel to it. So I'm taking Baltimore three and a half points. I think they get over that. You know what's a fun game to play on yourself if you really want to hate yourself? Open up 700,000 tabs, close the one you need, so that you sit here and go, where is it? Where is it? It's got to be in here somewhere. It's in here somewhere. Where is it? It's not, because it's it's the one that's closed. It's a great game. You're going to love it. The next game, Chicago Bears, New Orleans Saints. The biggest game for us, obviously, because it determines whether we see the Rams in Green Bay or Chicago in Green Bay. And I can't, I still can't decide who I'd rather see. The cold weather advantage, the home field advantage, is clearly bigger against the Rams. No question. But we know we can beat the Bears. We know we can beat the Bears, without question. I don't, and, and, and I, you know, I, I I just think, well, you know, the Bears could be, you know, look, if we're going to lose to the Bears, I think we're going to lose to the Rams, right? If, if we lose to the Bears, it's because the Packers didn't put out their best effort. Because at their best, they're not going to lose to the Bears. They're just not. And if they come out flat-footed and they come out not playing well and making mistakes and playing stupid, they're going to lose to the Rams too. You can't come out making mistakes against the number one defense in football expect to win. Against Sean McVay, who, you know, basically is running the same system. You're not going to trick him. He knows what we're doing. His offense does the same thing. He just has a better defense to be able to stop it. It's not a great scenario. So I know the idea of the Bears knocking us out of the playoffs is a nightmare, but logically speaking, getting the Saints eliminated, who is a really legitimate team, and getting to beat the Bears, play the Bears in Lambeau, that by far is the best scenario. It's going to hurt worse if we lose to Chicago than it will the Rams, but rather than play scared, let's play smart, although technically I'm playing scared by saying I don't want to play the Rams. But still, the, the smarter thing here is the Bears. They're not, you know, the Rams are like the Bears if the Bears were slightly better. They have a better defense and a better offense. That's that's what it is. So, I, you know, I, it's one of those things where I don't care. It was the same thing with the Saints or the uh, the Rams and the, the Seahawks. The whole game, I was saying to myself, we want the Seahawks to win because they're not as good, and I would love to play Seattle because we would annihilate Seattle. We would absolutely smash Seattle. I'm just not afraid of them, especially in Lambeau, no. However, I dislike Seattle to such a degree that every time I tell myself, okay, remember, we're rooting for Seattle, whenever the Rams would do something good, I'd start cheering. My son was so confused. Like, I thought you were rooting for Seattle. I was like, I am. He's like, well, why are you cheering for that? I don't know, because it was a good play. It's, I just admire good plays. That was my excuse every time, but I, I kept rooting against Seattle. That's what this game is going to be. Intellectually, I'm going to be rooting for the Bears, but every time the Saints beat on the Bears, I'm just going to be cheering for it. It's such a confusing kind of game. And sometimes I switch halfway through where, like, I'm... I'm happy when the Bears throw a pick and then the Saints get a touchdown. I'm like, ah, darn it! Because you just want both teams to lose, and it's frustrating. Excuse me, sir. Doing a podcast here. Thank you very much. Stupid alarm that I set. Rude. But I, look, I think in this game it really comes down to which version of these teams are we going to see, right? I mean, Chicago legitimately has a better offense the second half of the season, right? Granted, they lost three of their six games down the stretch two of them to the Packers, but we're, we're still looking at a completely inept offense that managed, at least until this past week, 25, 30, 36, 33, and 41. 
again, and I know they're not very good teams, but it doesn't matter. That's still an accomplishment for a team. I mean, look, they played the Giants. They, they, or they played Detroit Week 1, scored 27. The Giants in Week 2 scored 17. They played the Colts and scored 11. The Bucks and scored 20. The Panthers, who are not good, scored 23. The Rams, 10. The uh, Tennessee Titans, 17. The Vikings, 13. That's what their offense did prior to the bye. Then they come out 25, 30, 36, 33, 41. Again, bad offenses just don't do that, but they did it. So we've got a team that has a defense that can do some stuff. It's not the 2018 Bears. It's not even the 2019 Bears. This is a different Bears defense that's not quite as good, just flat out. The same defense down that last stretch gave up 41 points to the Packers, 34 to the Lions, 7 to the Texans, 27 to the Vikings, uh, 17 to the Jaguars, and 35 again to the Packers. That my friends, kind of sucks. But Khalil Mack is still, via PFF, the number one pass rusher in football. You know, edge rusher, I should say, not Aaron Donald. Akeem Hicks obviously was a disruptive force. You know, whatever PFF has to say about him, the fact of the matter is, as I said, Corey Lindsley has had two bad games all year. Both of them were against the Bears. I have a feeling Akeem Hicks has a lot to do with that. So, I mean, if the defense can be disruptive, if Drew Brees is having old man moments, which, as I mentioned, he's very inconsistent. One week he's just this freak that I'm terrified of. The next week it's like, dude, this guy just needs to retire. And if the Bears' offense can be the 30-point version of the Bears' offense as opposed to the you know 16-point version like we saw against the Packers, I think they got a chance. Similarly, you look at the Saints. The last two weeks you look at it and say, wow, that's crazy. I mean, 52 points against the Vikings. Granted, their defense gave up 33, but still, 52 points. And then 33-7 to against Carolina. That's I mean, you look at it and go, dude, this is a scary team. But again, you gave up 33 to the Vikings, which isn't great. The week before that against Kansas City, you lost, 29-32. But you say, well, that's Kansas City. Okay, the week before that, you lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, 24-21. to Well, we didn't have Breeze. Okay, fine, whatever, I'm just saying. <laughs> but again, let's, let's look at Breeze. First of all, they have played Chicago before. New Orleans did win, but they won in overtime. Since that game, let's look at Drew Breeze's stats slash grades. In the game against the Bears, he had a 51.2 overall grade. Threw for 280 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Not good. Then he played Tampa Bay, had a great game. So one thing I love about the Saints is for some reason they just annihilate Tampa. I would love for them to take them out for us. I mean, if if we can play the Rams and then the Saints take out Tampa and then we play the Saints, I think that might be the best case scenario. I don't know. There's not a lot of great scenarios. At some point, we're just going to have to go against dominant teams and we're just going to have to win. And that's kind of what the playoffs are about, but... Anyways, then he plays Week 10 against San Francisco, 42 overall great. Granted, didn't play a whole game, but we're talking 8 completions, 76 yards, a touchdown, no interception. The very next week against Kansas City, 15 of 34, 44% completion percentage, 234 yards, 3 touchdowns, and a pick. 45 overall grade. Horrible. Then he plays Minnesota, obviously a very good game. Well, I shouldn't say obviously. The team annihilated Minnesota. He had 73% completion percentage, which is great. 311 yards is dominant, but zero touchdowns, two picks isn't great. And then Carolina. I mean, it certainly looks a little bit more dominant. 201 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, but he got a basically a 60 overall grade average. So he's not he's not Tom Brady. Again, I mentioned Tom Brady was inconsistent early in the season. He's been dominant down the stretch. Something clicked. He gets into playoff mode and he's just locked in. And that kind of sucks a little bit, but it is what it is. Drew Brees, very inconsistent, very up and down. But look, let, let me cut to the chase here. I'm, I'm trying to build this up as best as I can so that the Bears can win. Um, I mentioned that it's possible the Bears can win when you look at postseason and NFC North and all that stuff. Here's issue number one. 
let's let's leave aside Drew Brees is probably going to pick this defense apart handily and the fact that they can also run the ball quite well. The Saints defense is very 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 good. They have just looking at guys that have a 10% pressure rate or higher. Cam Jordan, 57 pressures on 522 attempts. Yep, that checks out. Also had eight sacks on there. Trey Hendrickson, the other edge rusher, 49 pressures on 369 attempts and 14 sacks. David Onyemata, defensive tackle, 46 pressures, 396 attempts. Marcus Davenport, 34 pressures on 249 attempts. Demario Davis, the linebacker, 33 pressures on 135 attempts, 4 sacks. Sheldon Rankins is a little short, 21 of 257, slightly below, whatever. Carl Granderson, another edge rusher, 19 on 171 attempts. Yep, that checks out. He also has five sacks. Malcolm Jenkins, the safety, has three pressures on 82 attempts. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, eight on 31. So they have pass rushers everywhere. They, they, They get linebackers, corners, and safeties involved in all this, and they all get plenty of pressures, but their defensive line as a whole, ridiculous. Ridiculous. And so you have a bad Bears offensive line trying their best to run against a team that has a pretty solid run defense. I mean, the amount of guys that have a solid run defense grade, they have 10, which doesn't sound like a lot. I promise you it's a lot. The Packers probably have like one maybe. Maybe. Let me check. Maybe there's some safeties or something, but along the defensive line, I don't think it's anybody. There's two guys, Montrevious and Kenny Clark. Montrevious isn't around. Kenny just crossed that line up into a 71 because he has been quite good lately. And I guess Snacks, it's weird. They, they actually split up just on here. I was like, why isn't Snacks on here? I know he had a higher grade. They're just looking at his Packer grade, not his season-long grade. So they're just getting rid of the uh, Seattle grades, and he had a 55 run defense grade in that week against the Packers. So we'll, we'll add Snacks to the mix. But the point is, again, we have like two. And barely. Like, Snacks is, is pretty solid at like an 80. And uh, Kenny Clark is at a 70. Marcus Williams, 90. Cam Jordan, 83. Shy Tuttle, 79. Patrick Robinson, 79. Malcolm Jenkins, 79. Demario Davis, 78. Malcolm Brown, 78. David Onyemata, 76. Janoris Jenkins, 72. DJ Swearinger, 70.9. They also got Marcus Davenport at basically a 70. Do you, do you understand why I'm scared of this defense? This, this... The, the Bears have... Like, a guy. Maybe two guys. And then it's just like a lot of, yeah. This entire defensive line, edge, linebackers, corners, safeties, I don't think the Bears have much of a chance. I really don't. And they, they, they maybe don't have the greatest corners in the world, so they could probably get Allen Robinson going. Maybe they get a little bit of success out there, because, again, Allen Robinson's really off to a great start. Start is a weird way to say that. It's start of the run toward the postseason. I don't know forget I said anything. But, you know, the the corners, in terms of coverage, Janoris Jenkins, I mean, again, big name that everyone's like, oh, he, but they got Janoris. Big name that's not doing anything. He's 32 years old. He's not going to shut down Robinson by himself. But again, I just, as much as I can play with this and try to get Chicago and look at the postseason and look at this and look at that, and, and of course, everything is, is possible. Um, I don't know in what universe this Bears offense gets rolling against this defensive line. They're going to want to run the ball. They're not really going to be able to. They're going to need to pass the ball, but in order to do that, they're going to have to pass to their one wide receiver and do it quickly before this um, defensive line gets to the quarterback. So I think from the Bears' standpoint, you know, run the ball as best as you can. You're going to have to throw, and you're going to have to get guys in the mix, right? We saw against the Packers a little bit of Jimmy, a little bit of Cole Komet, a whole lot of Mooney. you got to get these guys in the game. It's the best shot you got, and, and you know, 
Then you look at the Bears' defense. Roquan Smith and Buster Screen are out. Darnell Mooney's also out. So that, it's just there's there's nothing here, man. I I just I wish I could find a way. I can't find a way. I think the Saints are going to just steamroll them again. It, it could be one of those things where they try to keep it close. You know, the Saints' offense has a hard time getting going against the defense, and it feels like oh maybe could be might be. But at the end of the day, that that dam's just going to burst wide open. I just I don't know how. And I, and I think if the if the Bears do win, the Saints are cursed. I mean, and by cursed, I mean they're just terrible at execution. Breeze just completely can't handle the postseason. He's completely fallen apart, and the, the the staff just does not have their team ready in the postseason. This this is this isn't even close. Now the question is, do I take the Bears at nine and a half points or the Saints? I just I don't know what to do there. Nine and a half is a lot. And if the Bears defense can keep the Saints score a little bit low, what's best case scenario? I feel like I gotta pick the Saints here, man. Nine and a half. I hate nine and a half. I hate that. Because in the back of my head, I'm thinking the Bears could technically even win this game. It covers that whole spectrum as well. But if I were to just give a score prediction, I feel like the Saints kind of blow them out a little bit, especially because it's in New Orleans. I'm taking the Saints at nine and a half. I hate doing that, but I feel like it's the right thing to do. Um, and then finally, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh has the three and a half. I've, I've always felt like Cleveland was just the better team. And I know there's a whole COVID thing and all that, which is kind of contributing to this, but I just have no respect for Pittsburgh. I think they're falling apart. I think they're complete trash. I think the only good thing about that team was Juju Smith-Schuster, and now he's kind of becoming a jerk. I mean, the, the whole appeal is he's like the greatest guy in the world. Like, he's super nice, does things for the community and all this stuff, and now he's just coming out trash talking like the Browns. It's just, it's just, I don't know what's going on with that team. It just feels toxic. It feels gross. The the hard part for me to get over, as much as I want to just dunk on the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and say they're not going anywhere, they just played each other. The Browns barely beat the Steelers, and now you got the whole COVID thing. Um, the biggest concern, uh, the latest that I heard anyways, is that Stefan, Stefanski is not even going to be there to call plays. They're going to have to relegate that to somebody else. Denzel Ward, the number one corner, is not playing. They did get a bunch of guys back, but nothing really super massive um, I think the Browns can still win the game. Uh, it really just comes down to the Steelers' offense playing like garbage and the Browns need to be able, being able to score points. I mean, what what really is different here? Well, Denzel Ward is going to make it easier for the Steelers. I, I get that, but it's, it's just not as much of a slam dunk as I would think. Again, the, the biggest issue for me, though, is the play calling for the, the Browns' offense, which has been up and down all season. I hate to pick the Steelers because I just think they're garbage, but you know, if the Browns don't have their play caller and they're kind of sputtering and they're missing personnel and you're trying to come up with a game plan last minute and you're trying to get your coach up to speed on what to do and how to do it and all these different things, you just see being issues and you're going up against the Steelers' defense and you're trying to like fumble your way through some stuff, no pun intended, it doesn't feel good. And, and again, you're missing personnel on defense. You're trying to get guys up to speed. There's going to be miscommunications. There's going to be all kinds of issues. Steelers, I mean, as much as they might have problems, they got veterans all over Juju and Roethlisberger and that offensive line. They're all like 500 years old. They know how to take advantage of this stuff. And so it just, the, 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 the Browns, I think, have the players. Again, it just comes down to they have what it takes to win. I just don't know with all the issues that they have, it just feels too tenuous, and it feels like there's going to be too much of a mistake. Plus, I mean, the Browns are just not a good playoff team to begin with because they're so volatile. The playoffs are all about steady, solid, you know, consistent, mistake-free football, and the Browns are anything but. They're just they're they're a, they're a loose cannon, right? In the literal sense of what that means, when a cannon breaks loose and the ship's rocking back and forth, and it literally literally will sink your ship because it's just destroying everything. They're just wild. 
So I guess as much as I hate to do it, I'll, I want, I don't want, I don't want the Steelers to win at all. I just, I don't like them. I, I don't know what it is. It's just ever since the whole Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell thing, I just, it feels like just such a toxic place. And you feel like, well, the toxic guy's left. So now it's not that way. And it's like, yeah, but look what it is, dude. It just, everything's not good there. It's just bad. It shouldn't have to be this bad, but it is pretty bad. So I guess all things considered, even though, you know, you could see it even being close, I guess I'll pick Pittsburgh against my better judgment. I'm, I'm, I've changed all three of my picks. I had Tennessee, Chicago, and Cleveland. I switched all three, and I hope I don't regret that. But now I'm picking all favorites, I guess, this week. I really hate that. But it, it, just, it just feels that way. Again, all three of these teams have the opportunity. I think Cleveland is a more talented team. They just got too much going on. And again, Pittsburgh's defense is really scary. They are at home. Not that it's a big like cold weather or distance advantage or anything like that, but Pittsburgh at home is going to be a, a better team. Cleveland in the playoffs, I mean, it's one of those things you pick Cleveland to win a playoff game and then they lose and you feel stupid. Like, dude, did I just seriously pick Cleveland to win a playoff game? Uh, New Orleans, the only problem is the spread. Again, Chicago can win, but it's like, come on. There's just too much, too much to overcome. The, the Steelers, are the, the, the Saints, the, the biggest problem with the Saints is they're just so good in every component right? The offensive line, the quarterback, the wide receivers, the running back, the, you know, the corners are solid, the defensive line. I mean, I mentioned the corners aren't great, but they have some talent, whatever. The safeties, the defensive line, the linebackers, just everywhere they have talent. The Bears have what? Like one good offensive lineman, one good wide receiver, a good running back, a good edge rusher, good defensive tackle, and what? Nothing. An overrated safety, an overrated corner, an overrated linebacker, the other one's out. A bad defensive line everywhere else, a bad offensive line everywhere else, a terrible quarterback, bad wide receivers outside of the one good one. It just, it's not, no. And again, Baltimore, I think that could be, and should, it's probably going to be the most fun game to watch. At least I hope it is. But um, I just think at the end of the day, Baltimore has the advantage in that one. So that's all I got. That's all I got for you. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Hopefully, and by the way, I apologize the last episode cut out. I don't know why that happened. I tried to fix it. It kept giving me errors, and I said, whatever. We only missed about five minutes of the episode. You get the point. But, uh, yeah, that's it. You guys have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.